turn to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. We were here last week. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. We all know this, but I want to go again back at God wants you healthy. God wants you healthy. How many of you know health is extremely important? As we dive into this season and we look at where we are right now, you know, I worked in the funeral industry when I was in college for a while, and I would sell pre-arrangements in the, in the funeral industry. Um, but I also got to see all the previous or all the, all the things that would happen during that time. And I noticed something about November and December. Sometimes people got very depressed. I mean, as a matter of fact, some of the worst things that happen to people during the months of November and December come because, number one, they remember things in the past. Many of their family members, many people that we've had in relationships in our life had ended up leaving us during the months of November and December, sometime in that time frame. Or some in those few months, maybe October. But then we feel those things. We have, a, we have feelings about those. You know, I still have feelings about my mother. I, I remember when she passed, I had a picture of her. I just had one picture. I'd gotten rid of everything, couldn't just see it because it would bother me. And I had one picture, but I couldn't go by it. I, they had to put it face down for a while for me. And that seems kind of silly, and I think anybody would... Big thing that was wild, but I just didn't want to see it because it would hurt. And so we have these feelings because of what we've experienced. Many of us have lost family members, friends, people important to us. Also, there's a lot of pressure during this time. You know, we've got gifts to buy and stuff to happen. There's stuff you've got to get ready. And some of you are thinking about gifts for the family and friends. And you're worried about what they'll think of you and where you're going to go and where you're going to spend it and how much time you're going to have. And there can be a, a great deal of pressure that comes on us, and I just felt in my spirit this would be a good time to talk to you about God wants you healthy. That God wants you to be healthy. Also, there's pressure at work. How many of you know during this season? There's a lot of pressure where you go, they want things done, they want it done now. They, You know, whatever industry you're, if you're in a construction industry, everybody wants their house remodeled at Christmas. Somebody ought to say amen. Everybody wants it finished. If you started in January, you better be done by December. Somebody say amen. we got to have our family over for Thanksgiving. i got to have a kitchen. So there's pressure. There's always pressure. But you can't allow that pressure to dominate your life to the point that you're not healthy. You need to be healthy. God wants you to be healthy. I want you to shout this out. God wants me healthy. healthy. Say it again. God wants me healthy. healthy. And today, I mean, if you're dealing with sicknesses and battling with things, I want you to know something. God wants you to be healthy. He wants you physically healthy. He doesn't want you encumbered with blood pressure problems because of nerves. He doesn't want you dealing with mental issues or stresses. He doesn't want you being forgetful and and mindless during this time. God wants you healthy. It's His wish. It's His desire that none should perish. It's His desire that we should all be filled with God. It's His desire that we should all have prosperity and blessing. It's His desire. And so He's desiring that for you today. He wants you healthy. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants you healthy. And then look at him and say, God wants you happy too. Some folks got good physical presence. They're feeling good physically, but their, their mind is gone. Maybe they're straight. And I don't mean completely gone. I mean, you know, not necessarily thinking straight. You know, last December I was there. You know, I think about what happened to me and I had lost all my memory. You have to understand, I have to fight this every day. I have to stand up and just declare that I'm well. Declare that I have my mind. Because I had gotten into that sinus condition last year, and it was so bad that it had caused memory loss for a season. 
And I had forgotten everybody's names. I couldn't talk sentences straight and had to get on medications to change all that and get rid of that infection that was there that was putting pressure specifically on my brain. And I, God didn't want me that way. He didn't want me to have that infection. And that. Thank God we can believe beyond that. How many are glad we can believe beyond that? Look at somebody and say, God will take care of that. People suffer depressions. They get discouraged and depressed. You know, when the weather changes, you go outside, it was raining all weekend. Some people can get real depressed with that stuff. Come on. It's true. And you think, I don't understand what's going on. Well, the sun's not in the same place it was in the summer. That's what's wrong. Somebody ought to say amen. I mean, you may not believe that to be true, but it's true. We're physically attached, attached to this world. We are a spirit living in a body. And we live in this body. And it, it sees light and it experiences things. And we also have a mind, will, and emotions. God made us to have a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions. I'm a spirit living in a body that has mind, will, and emotions. And so thank God that my spirit and my, my brain talk and that I can communicate with the natural self and with the spiritual self. Thank God for that because then I can do some things about where my mind is. I can do some things about where my body is. But I can tell you this. Listen to me. Just listen to me clearly here. If you don't do what the Bible says, if you don't speak and you don't say and you don't talk and you don't pray and you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will control you. If you don't speak the word of God, your speech will speak something else. You will say things that bring you into a place that's not where you want to be. You will grow. We have to guard our mouth. We have to guard our mouth against criticism. You know, one of the worst things I see is people that become very critical. They're always critical of something. They've always got some criticism going on. Listen, if you let that criticism continue in your life, it will stunt your spiritual growth. It will stop you from growing. You've got to take control of your mouth. You've got to take control of your thoughts. You've got to take control of your body. You've got to take, and there's all kinds of physical remedies for those kinds of things. But most of all, you have to take control of your mind. You have to take control of your thinking. I've watched many people in the church that didn't do that. And you would talk to them and talk to them and you'd go to them and talk about healing or whatever it may be. And then you say, you know, how are you feeling? And then they tell you every woe that was going on. Well, you didn't know last week and you don't know. I'm going to have to go see the doctor because every Tuesday when it rains, my knee hurts. Have you ever met people like that? Have you ever met anybody? Come on, let's be honest about it. You've met people that that's the way they are. You know, when it gets cold like this, I'm just telling you, my back starts really hurt. If we don't control those things, we're going to get in trouble. Now, here's what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11. And, and, and it says this. It says, for I know the thoughts. Now, these are God's thoughts. How God thinks. How many think we ought to know how he thinks? This is how he thinks. This is how God thinks about you. Look at somebody and say, this is what he thinks about you. Sometimes we believe he thinks that about our neighbor. We think he thinks that about the guy sitting in front of us. But he thinks that about you. You can point to yourself and say, God is thinking this about me. Come on. He's thinking these thoughts about me, my situation, my family, my house, my children, my money, my condition. He says, these are the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace, not of evil. Peace is, a, a, is the guard of our life. It's what guards us and keeps us straight. We follow after peace. It goes on to say, to give you an expected end. An expected end. That's a destiny. A future. 
and hope. That word means destiny, future, and hope. One commentator writes it this way. He says, this deliverance will not depend on your merits, but upon my own mercies and kind thoughts and purposes. In other words, God is saying my thoughts towards you are recorded this way. This is my thinking about you. This is my intentions for you. This is what I declare is going to happen in you and in your life and in your home and in your body and in your situation. This is not about you meriting it. You don't earn the thing God wants to do for you. It's what he wants to do for you. It's already prescribed for you. It's already detailed for you. God has already made up his mind. Here's my thoughts. You're not going to change his thoughts. You're not going to rearrange his thoughts. You're not going to manifest a different thought in God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God says, here's my thoughts about you. Here's what I'm thinking. He said that you're going to have a expected end. That you're going to have blessings and peace and not evil. That you're going to have, I've got a destiny, I've got a future, and I've got a hope laid out for you. God is concerned about your health. Look at somebody and say, God's concerned about your health. Well, we said this last week. Why doesn't God fix that? Why doesn't he just make up his mind for those of us who are believers? And we said the reason that he doesn't just do that is because man is the reason that we got into the position we're in in the first place. Sin brought us into this position. Sin is what separated us from God. Sin is what brought sickness and disease into man. And that there has to be a remedy for that. Thank God for Jesus because he's our remedy towards these illnesses and sicknesses. Look at somebody and say, Jesus is your answer. We said that God's name is Jehovah Rapha, that his name is healing, that he has described for us and prescribed for us health. Look at somebody again and say, God wants you healthy, and he's the healer. God's described it to you. He's laid it up for you. Listen to Deuteronomy 28. Listen to what it says. This is one through uh, one and two. It says, and it shall come to pass that if you'll hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all of his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set thee on high above all the earth and all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee if you will hearken to the voice of the Lord your God forever. So he's telling us. That he wants us healthy. He's describing for us that if we'll follow his path, listen to his word, do what he says, that he is giving to us health. You're sitting in this room today and God has described his thoughts for you are that you are to be healthy. Again, look at somebody, find somebody else and say, God wants you healthy. He wants your mind straight. He wants your thinking straight. He wants your memory straight. He wants your emotions straight. You know, I say that in people, you have to understand there are people that are emotionally distraught. I mean, they can't talk about it. There are people that are even in this room right now that in alone times when they're by themselves, they're struggling and they're dealing with emotional challenges. They don't understand. They want to feel loved. They want to feel appreciated. They want to feel liked and all those things. And the devil continues to feed those thoughts. He continues to feed on things that you think. He continues to develop and try to pull out the word of God from you and tell you that things aren't right, that everything's tore up. Listen, there are physical things. We're not suggesting that you don't go to doctors and get help. You ought to make sure that you have covered yourself in all the natural ways you can. But when the doctors have ended and all that's over, there's still only one one way to get a total well-being, and that is through Jesus Christ. 
I say take Jesus and then add to it some other things if you have to. But I mean, you can get out of your situation. You can move forward and go forward with God. You can step into new places, but you can't allow your brain. When the Bible says take no thoughts, he means it. When he says cast all your cares on me for I care for you, he's not kidding. Those aren't jokes. He's saying you're to take these things that are weighing you down, that are implementing negative things. You're to cast them off of yourself and hand them to him. He'll tear down strongholds, tear down uh, indecisions, tear down problems. You, I mean, I don't know. You know, there, there's just you have to understand when I talk about this, it's not that you don't have a part to play. I think sometimes we think we have no part to play. That all we rely on is the fact that God has given us His mercy, His grace, and He loves us. I said that to you. But there's a part you play. There are things that you have to do that will cause manifestation in your life. That will affect change in your thinking. There are things you have to do. Look at somebody and say, you got to do some stuff. And so here we are. We know this. Listen to another one. This is Isaiah 53 and 5. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. I said this last week. Our shalom. Our peace. Our God-given peace. The peace that sets it right. I don't have to be stressed out and in anger. You know, I, I grew up in a home that was very different than most people. And in my house, we screamed all the time when I was a kid. That's all we did. Now, that was normal communication for my house. It wasn't sub-communication. It wasn't a different communication. It's just that they had gotten, my mom and daddy had gotten in this routine. And we came along into the routine. And it was just, you know, everyone, we just, everything was loud. Everything was just loud. You can tell I'm still loud when I preach. Amen. I can get louder. Some people said they heard me yell. Oh, no. Oh, no, you've not heard me yell yet. If you thought you heard me yell, you don't know yelling. When people say, you were yelling out there, I kind of laugh. I'm thinking, what, yelling? You, you said I'm yelling? I'm thinking that was just normal talk. I mean, really, I mean, this is because this is how we grew up. I mean, you come up to our house and we would be, you know, you'd think we were killing each other. I mean, nobody would even come in. I mean, they'd be scared. I mean, just, I mean, our house was just like that. And it was just, I mean, you know, uh, that's the way it was. And then we'd, we'd get done yelling at each other and I'll be getting in the car going to McDonald's. Like nothing had happened. People think, I thought we were calling the police. <laughs> this was really the way we lived. And that was really strange when we got married because, you know, I thought that's the way you communicated. I got married to poor Amy and her mom would give her gifts when they got mad at each other. We'd have a fight and there'd be a gift at the door. I'm just, I just want to yell. What do we, we got to talk this thing out, you know? We haven't had a discussion. You give me a gift. What is that? See, they were getting, they had peace, a little gift at the door. Well, I wasn't buying nobody a gift. We got to talk. <laughs> Nobody's shouting here, but it is all true. I'm just trying to tell you. And so these things get in us. They creep into us. They get in our lives, right? So this is the way I had to have a miracle from God to even get out of it. One day my wife and I were arguing. I'm having a normal talk. She thinks I'm screaming hot. says, I can't take this anymore. It's our first year of marriage. Not now. 24 years later. That's first year. And I look over in the corner. My brand new little old dog is over there. Don't know what I'm saying. Can't understand a word I'm saying. Knows nothing about my conversation. And he's shaking in the corner. And I realize right then I have wounded his spirit. What I'm saying might be normal to me, but it's killing him. 
Imagine what that's doing to the woman who understands it. Because you know, if you didn't get the tears and stuff, you had to keep working till you did. Nobody understand what I'm talking about. Does anybody know? You got to get that emotional satisfaction. So I'm talking about people getting emotional situations. I'm preaching real good this morning. I hope you're going to get what I'm talking about. And so you just keep working it until you get some emotional satisfaction. That's not satisfactory. It's not what God wants for our life. He hasn't described a lifestyle. He said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you love one another. And, that, and so I had to learn. But the other day I'm in the car with my son. I don't know what happened. I think my blood pressure was up. I'm doing real good. I mean, you know, my healing is just wonderful. And I'm still working because, you know, because sometimes you can fall backwards. Anybody know what I mean? Anybody ever fall backwards? Am I the only one that fell backwards? I'm in the car. Brian's got up. We're supposed to get ready. And he just, just had put me here. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. There was a day before something happened. He's supposed to do something. Didn't do it. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm holding it together until 8 in the morning on the way to school. I get in the car and he has forgotten his belt. I don't know why that bothered me so much. And all of a sudden, the McCart came out. And I went off for 10 minutes on him in the car. I didn't cuss him. I don't cuss. But I'm letting him have it. And you forgot. And I can't believe in you. You know what I'm saying. And so I drop him off at school. And when he walks in, he's got his, he's late. I made him late. <laughs> we could jump. I'm going to just tell the truth. Anybody feel like hearing the truth? Or you want me to fake it for you? I can talk like I'm super holy. Don't have no problems. I can do it either way. What you want? I'm not super holy. And so he gets out of the car. His head's dropped. He don't even want to see me. And my, my wife has said they're having a, an induction for him into the beta club. So this is his beta club induction game. Look at y'all going like, oh. <laughs> and he's basically not crying because, you know, he's, he's just holding it in. We walk inside and it's not the beta club induction day. I'm standing in the hallway with a bunch of kids. They haven't even opened up the door. And some lady walks by and says, why are you here? I'm thinking because I'm yelling at my son. Why do you think I'm here? <laughs> and my wife finally shows up and they said, this is not the induction day. This is a ceremony to get ready for induction. We're just showing up today. Oh, Jesus, help me. I turn around to walk out of the building. And as I'm walking out, the Lord just catches me in the spirit and says, how could you? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. How many say thank God for the Holy Ghost? I just bowed my head, got in the car and drove off. Well, my wife calls me up on the phone. She's like, uh, I, I text her. I said, where are you going? Where are you going? Pick me up at the church to go to Starbucks. She says, you left me at the school. I said, I thought you were coming to the church. I'm waiting for you at the church. She shows up at the church. She's crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? And she said, because you were so blood. I think she thought I was mad at her for this whole induction thing. And I said, the reason I left is because I was so embarrassed about my behavior that I had to make it right between me and the Lord. I had to get alone for a minute to make that right in my spirit. Anybody know where I'm coming from? So you can get emotional during these times. Many of you, I'm going to, listen, I'm, you don't have to be holy in this room. We're about serving the Lord. And if you want to act like you're perfect, you're the only one. You're the only one. I'm not here to fake anybody out. This is the truth. And I felt so bad I was going to take him out of school, spend the day with him and apologize. But my wife wouldn't let me. 
But I got him out of the car when he got back out of school. I said, son, I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry that I became a McCart for a day. <laughs> this is good teaching because many of you in this room, many men in this room, you become Lord of your house. And God didn't call us to be Lord. He called us to be leader. There's a big difference between Lord and leader. Somebody's preaching real good this morning. That's just, that's just free. That didn't cost nobody nothing this morning. That was free. Say amen. Amen. We make mistakes, but we need to make our mistakes right. That God wants us to be healed. He wants us well. He wants you men to live a godly life. He wants men to look at you and say, I want to be like him. Amen. That doesn't just mean silent or whatever. He says he wants something to change inside of you to become more like him. It's okay to be earthly, but it's okay to be healed as well. God wants to heal us. And so he, listen to what Peter says. Peter took the same thing. Now, I'll go back to the shalom, the withholding the shalom from us, that the devil wants to withhold our peace. He, it, it was upon him. This is, this is again back to verse five, Isaiah 55. Iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, that's his bruises. He was bruised that we could be healed. The word healed there is the word made whole. So part of the peace of God is being physically mentally, spiritually, and emotionally well. Come on, somebody. God wants you physically, spiritually, and emotionally well. He wants you physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And your thoughts, He wants those things well. And some of you in this room, you're struggling with your thoughts. You're dealing with your thoughts. Then let me preach to you today. Accept it today. Don't reject me as I'm talking to you. You need to accept it and say, that's right. God wants me to take control of my thoughts. He wants me to take control of the real estate that I'm in. He said, don't give one place to the devil. That means don't give up any placement in your life to the devil. When he comes, you have to shut him up. Somebody ought to say amen right there. You can't entertain it. You can't think it. You can't meditate on it. You have to meditate on the word of God. In his word, do I meditate day and night that I may be planted, that I may be a harvester, that I, God wants to plant his word planted in us. He wants you well. Somebody yell that out. God wants me well. You know, I keep saying that because I want you to start saying it enough. That you'll keep talking to every disease and every sickness and every thought and every depression and every kind of malady in your mind and every emotional trauma. And you say, no, sir, I don't accept that. I won't keep that. I'm not going to have that in my life. I'm not going to let you live. The Bible says, cast down every vain imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. God wants me well. Jesus said, I can have the mind of Christ. It might not, I mean, you might not have that right this minute, but I'm telling you, God said, you can have the mind of Christ. You are to have, somebody ought to shout that out. I've got the mind of Christ. I'm not going to be depressed. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be downtrodden. I'm not going to be steered by the devil. I'm not going to be moved on the devil's path. I take control of my thoughts. I don't have to be dominated by the devil. I don't have to be switched around. I don't have to do things I don't want to do. I can take control of my body. I can take control of my thoughts. I can be in control. I can I can handle this thing. God said I can have the mind. Somebody ought to say I can have the mind of Christ. I can overcome things that are attacking me. I can stand up against sickness, disease, sin. I can say no because God has given me the power to overcome.
You know, I'm still saying it, but deep, deep inside of me, I want some people to really get it. I just, there's some of you in this room. If you could just grab this right now, if you could just take it right now, the devil's tried to tell you, you got this, you got that, you can't overcome this, can't overcome that, can't do this, can't do that. I tell you right now, I'm far better than I used to be, but there'll be a day when I don't raise my voice. There'll be a day when my cart don't show up again, when it comes out a different way. When it comes out Holy Ghost, it's going to Holy Head, it's going to come out a different way. I confess it before the Lord. I'm speaking. I'm better today than I've ever been, but I'm going to be better tomorrow than I was yesterday. Come on, somebody. Somebody in this room. Come on with me. Don't let antagonism and anxiety stay in your life. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be full of anxiety, worried about, I, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. I got a sound mind. I can see it right. I can hear it right. I don't have to think. Somebody shout that out. I've got a sound mind. Say it again. I've got a sound mind. a few more in this room. I can feel it. I can sense it in my spirit. There's just a few more of you. Shut that thing down. Shut that voice off. Shut down those things. Say no. 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 I can think right. You ought to be talking about this over your kids. They've been out there watching the internet, this, that, and the other. Been in all kind of chat rooms and sites. Looked at all kind of mess. You don't know what they're thinking. You better confess the Lord over them. You better look at what they're looking at. You better speak God over them. Get those thoughts out of their mind. They don't need that contaminated thinking. They don't need that garbage running through their mind. You need to say, I keep a sound mind over my children. They won't be depressed. They won't be discouraged. If they've been picked on, God, you'll take care of them. Keep them safe. Lord, you'll work it out. You'll turn it around. Lord, if they've been mistreated, God, I thank you. You show it to me. You'll direct me. You'll open my eyes. I don't have to walk through life blind. You said you'd give me spiritual eyes. You can reveal to me what's happening in the darkness and in the dark places. You can show me people they shouldn't be around. If there's an enemy coming, no, oh, hallelujah. The Bible says no weapon formed against me shall ever prosper. I wish somebody. Glory to God. You are to be spiritually, emotionally, physically well, mentally well. God wants you well. Peter said it this way, 1 Peter 2.24, with his own stripes he bare our sins in his own body on a tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes, past tense, we were, we were, past tense, we were, we were, we were healed. Peter said, you were, you're not going to be, you were, it's not going to happen, he has, you're not hoping, he already did it. 
Your hope is in that I'm going to get it. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to have it in my life. It's something he already did. Your healing has already been paid for. He already took all the stripes you'll ever have to take. He already bore all the crowns you'll have to bear. He's already been stabbed one time. He doesn't need to be stabbed again. He took it all on him that you don't have to be sick. You don't have to be sick anymore. By his stripes, you were, you were, you were, you were. Lord, I think I'm going to walk in what was. I'm going to walk into what you've already done. You're not going to do it. You're not coming down out of heaven, getting on a cross so I can have some help. You already went on a cross. You already bore the stripes. You already took the marks. You already experienced it so that I could just walk on into it. I'm going to step in my wealth, my health, and my blessing. I thank you, God, that more than I need was done. There's no more to be done. You did everything. When you said, it is finished, you weren't talking about somewhere down the road. You said, it's done. I took care of it. I won you the victory. I've already overcome. I've already healed. I've already... It was done. Speak to something. Just put your hand on something. Let's go. If you've got a soreness, speak to it. God has dealt to us unquestionable help. Somebody just say, when I leave this building, life's going to change for me. Come on. When I leave this building, the word's going to work in my life. Come on. The power is here. It's been made manifest. It's here today. It was in the Old Testament. It's here today. Jeremiah says that peace and not of evil. God's thoughts govern how and why he deals with us. God's thoughts govern why and how he deals with us. Our thoughts govern how we deal with others. Now, if you don't understand that, God's thoughts deal with how he deals with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is one of the greatest scriptures ever written about love. It's sandwiched between two power-packed passages. 12 and 14. About the gifts of the Spirit, the powerful Holy Spirit, the working of God in the church, working of God in His people. Subject to all of that, in the middle of it, is this chapter on love. I think it's interesting that the power of God is supposed to work by love. It's not working separately. It's talking about your mindset, your mentality. Remember I said that revelation is the key. That you have revelation. I'm almost done, so hang in there just a few more minutes. In chapter 13, verse 5, it says this. God, I mean, doth not have its, itself, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not its own, is not easily provoked, and doesn't think evil. That's, that's the love walk. It doesn't think evil. It's not provocable. Galatians 5, 6 says this. For Jesus is neither circumcised, uh, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision is available anything or uncircumcision. But faith which worketh by love. So operating in love is involved in everything about our health. If I want the God to move in me and move in my life, then I have to operate in, a, in the God kind of love. I have to operate in the God kind of love. The Bible says so much about our thoughts, our words, and our prayers, and things that we say. It speaks that the fight comes out of love. 
It's absolutely tied to the health of the planet. It's all of our health is tied to this idea that I, 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 am, I am in a position to have God speak to me correctly. The Bible is speaking to us. It is the single most important book that will ever be written to mankind. And in that book, he says these things that love is the key, that there's a spirit of love that flows through us and that love thinks no evil. In other words, when I am in love with the Lord and I have found that love, then these thoughts that are trying to provoke me, these ideas, these things, there's nothing wrong with getting a doctor's prescription, but you better have God's over it. You better have God's prescription over the top of a natural word. I tell you this, medicine is a wonderful thing. I know we have doctors all in this church, but every one of them knows it's an experiment. It's a constant experiment, constantly hoping this will work for that person and that person, the other one. I love those commercials on TV. They put a medicine on there. Now this will cause your hair to grow back. You'll lose your ears. You won't be able to talk. You'll have... Right? Have you seen you have seizures for weeks? You may not be able to go to the bathroom for a month. Right? You've you've heard those things, but you can have your hair. Because it's an experiment. Only God can really do what we need done. When we have the love of God on the inside of us, our health is guaranteed. Walk in the love of God. Second Timothy says this. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given me a spirit of, of fear, but of power. That word there is dunamis. That supernatural self-regenerating power. Dunamis. Look it up. Dunamis. Word that describes power. Dunamis. You have dunamis on the inside. He's given us a spirit of power. Every believer has dunamis on the inside. Dunamis. Regenerating supernatural power. That's in you. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power. <coughs> of love. The love of God, not just natural love. That's why if you're getting married, find somebody that loves God because then they don't know love. If they don't know God, they don't know love. They have emotional, they have tangible things, but they don't have God's love, which is surpassing all of that physical stuff that has far more in it. But then he gives us the last thing, and I'm going to quit with this. He says the love of God and of a sound mind. Are you at that scripture? That word there, sound, is the word Sophronimos. Another way to say it is sophronizo. There's two ways to pronounce it, but it comes from the Greek. And this is what this word actually means. God is not giving you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of sophronio. It means a self-controlled, willed, controlled mind. It does not mean that the mind controls itself. Oh, I just have a controlled mind. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that God has given us the ability to walk in dunamis power, have the love of Christ, and control how we think. Control our thoughts. I have the ability through the Word of God to take control of how I think, of what I think. I have the ability to control it. Do you understand? Self-control. I have the ability to determine whether I'm sick or healthy in my mind. And my mind will lead us. Now, I want you to hear this. This is just some stuff written from, from uh, Harvard. I want you to hear it. Harvard says this. 
Uh, let me find a couple passages. I want you to see, they've just caught up with the church, so I think it'd be great if we can read what they say. Medical study. The brain is the body's first line of defense. Harvard says this. They say that the mind is functioning, is the functioning of the brain. As we change our thoughts, we are changing our brain. As we change our brain, we are changing our biology, and we change our bodies. Harvard. You can just let your brain keep going. You can just let it go, 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 go. You can let it run. You can let it say whatever it wants to say. But if you would use the Holy Ghost, get the Word of God, engraft it into your spirit, you could rearrange your thinking. And if you could rearrange your thinking, you'll rearrange your condition. I'm preaching real, real good. You got to rearrange what you're thinking. You got to believe that it's for you. Paul said it this way. He didn't give us a spirit. He gave us a sound mind. It's something that we control, something we take control of by the Holy Spirit. Your mind can be in opposition or can be in position to succeed. Your mind by revelation puts you in a position to succeed. And here's where I'm going to end. One more study. Harvard said this. High blood pressure comes when we speak worry. They found that there is medicine or there is a medical relationship between prayer Harvard, there's a relationship between prayer, words, and our health. High blood pressure comes from when we speak the wrong things and we produce something called white coat hypertension. They're just catching up with the word. The doctors are finally reaching the point they understand that when you pray, when you think, when your thoughts are right, when you get the right words, when you speak the right things, say the right things, when you get God's word coming out of your mouth. He said, you could say unto that mountain, be thou removed, plucked up and cast into the sea. And if you wouldn't doubt, but believe the things that you say should come to pass, you will have whatever you say. You will have whatever you say. You know what the devil tries to do? He tries to shut your mouth. He tries to keep you from saying. I, I, I mean, you might be sitting here saying, I don't know what I'm talking about. I didn't write that. Harvard wrote that. Harvard said you could have high blood pressure. You know something? High blood pressure will take you out. Look at somebody and say, God wants you healthy. He doesn't want you sick. He doesn't want you depressed. He doesn't want you discouraged. He doesn't want you to think crazy. He wants you healthy. Somebody say amen. amen. And they went on to say that the relaxed response is what is the opposite of that. It is the opposite of white coat hypertension by using the right words. That's just natural. Imagine when you're a spiritual person and you have received the word of God at the level you should have received it. When it gets down in your heart, imagine how transformational the word of God is to your life when you begin to speak God's word and begin to talk to the diseases, talk to sicknesses, talk to the thing that's attacking, begin to speak out the word of God. Listen, you can't tell me, listen, the word of God is anointed. It is anointed. It's not going to be anointed. It is anointed. When you get the word of God coming out of your spirit, you're speaking anointed words. I don't care if you're the highest level doctor in town. I tell you right now, you have not as much power. There's not as much in you as there is in God. And those words that God has given were life creating. They made the heavens and the earth. They created all that is. Everything that ever existed is because God said it existed. And when I speak God's life giving whole words out of my mouth, I can transition every evil thing into something God can totally turn around. They're higher, they're greater, they're bigger, they're more powerful, they have more power in 
and death. God's word said out of my mouth will transform every single thing in my life. I've got power, authority, love, and I can control the way this thing operates. You control your marriage by having the right words, saying the right things, doing what the word says. You control your situations because the word is the single most powerful thing there is. Stoma. The word stoma is the word mouth in the Bible. Stoma. That's when the Bible says mouth. You'll say faith comes out of your mouth, the Bible says, right? The word of faith is neither even in your mouth, which is the word of faith which we preach. Your stoma, according to the Bible, this is a Greek definition of the word stoma or mouth. It is stoma, probably strengthened from the presumed derived base of five, blah, 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 the mouth. As if a gash in the face. By implication, language, its relationship, figuratively, and an opening in the earth. Specifically, the front or edge of a weapon. Stoma. Your mouth is the front edge of a weapon. <laughs> I don't think anybody got that. Your mouth is the front edge of a weapon. Your mouth, it's not, it, listen, if you never break the sword out, it never does any good. If the mouth never works, if you never speak God's word, if you never say what God says, if you never confess blessings, if you don't, if you don't allow your, your life to confess those blessings, speak out of your, then you've put the sword away. You want to fall in love with your church? Talk good about it. Say 10 good things to 10 people. Speak health and safety over your church. Make sure that you tell everybody, come hear every speaker. Don't get an attitude and critical and be like, ah, it ain't Pastor Steve, I'm not coming. What's wrong with you? Then they won't come hear you either. I promise if you won't come hear somebody else, somebody else ain't coming to hear you. Never mind, I'm not going there. Shouldn't I? You got your stoma shut. On the other side, what if you took out your stoma and used it as a sword to kill? Could you damage yourself with the front edge of your sword? If you wander around and all you confess is the negative, hurtful, terrible, tremendously horrible things going on in your life. If all you've got to talk about is the sadness and disgusting stuff. I tell you, you've taken out the sword and you've started slicing. But now let's go one more step. What if I took out the front edge of my sword and I started working with God and sliced up every sickness, every disease, every offending thing, every work of the devil. You have to live with the word of God active in your mouth. Stand up on your feet and give him some praise. Would you? Come on, just lift your hands and give him some praise. Would you? Just begin to bless him.